it's such a natural thing because it's something that that entrepreneur, that founder, you, you created this. You took an idea and you formulated it into this business. It's not easy to let that go. Welcome to The Syntax Show. And the thing that I've realized from the CEO to the NFL football player to the janitor, we're our toughest critics and we're hardest on ourselves. But you have to be willing to say and point out the things that need to be said. The only way to grab somebody's attention is with a story. Welcome to The Syntax Show with John Toda. My guest today is Alicia Butler-Pierre. Alicia is the founder and CEO of Equilibria, a global operations management firm specializing in optimizing business infrastructure and processes for fast-growing businesses. She took her experience as a chemical engineer and used it to develop the Casanu framework and software application for businesses to better manage their infrastructures. And this is an important aspect of scaling a business that not enough people talk about. Alicia is also the best-selling author of Behind the Facade, How to Structure Company Operations for Sustainable Success, and the host of the popular podcast show, Business Infrastructure, Curing Back Office Blues. So it's great to have her on the show with us today. Alicia, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, John. As I listen to you, I'm thinking, can I just take that one clip, that intro clip, and <laughs> and use it on my own website? That was fantastic. Thank you. Well, absolutely. It's fun to sum up all the things that you're doing. And, and as you know, we talked before, I am very passionate about exactly what you do for businesses because, uh, truthfully, not enough people talk about the importance of the infrastructure of the business, the operations behind it. So I love what you do. Tell our audience... What got you into this field? Why do you care so much about business infrastructure? Well, the, the the path to getting to where I am now was definitely not straight and narrow. <laughs> and, and and I know that's not the path of, of most entrepreneurs. But as you mentioned when you introduced me, my background is actually in chemical engineering. So I was working in different chemical plants and oil refineries, and I was working as what's known as a process engineer. So I literally, John, if there was ever an issue that went wrong in, let's say, the production of a particular chemical, I had to figure out, I as a process engineer had to figure out, well, what went wrong in the actual process of manufacturing that product to cause it to not meet the specifications? So I knew I didn't want to be stuck in an oil refinery for the rest of my career. And so I eventually went back to business school. So I was working full-time during the day, went to school at night, and eventually decided, you know, it's either now or never. I graduated with my MBA, relocated to, I was living in New Orleans at the time, relocated to Atlanta, knew one person here at the time. And I wanted a job. I, I thought, okay, Coca-Cola is headquartered here in Atlanta. Surely they'll hire me. I, you know, I have this engineering background, but I also have this MBA where one of my concentrations was in marketing. So I thought for sure, John, that when I relocated here, that I would have a job. And it didn't work out that way. So after about two months of what seemed to be endless job searching, I decided to redirect the time, effort, and energy that I was spending into looking for a job, working for someone else. I decided to redirect that into finding an opportunity or creating an opportunity for myself. 
And so that's how Equilibria was born. I Through a period of self-evaluation, self-assessments, I realized that my natural talent has always been in organizing. So Equilibria, believe it or not, actually started as a professional organizing company. But here's what happened, John. I wasn't necessarily, I wasn't like a Marie Kondo where I was in people's uh, garages and basements and, and their closets, helping them to get better organized. I was, most of my clients, I would say about 90 to 95% of them were home-based entrepreneurs. They had these home-based businesses and they just needed systems and processes to keep things organized in their physical space, to keep things separate from everything else that was going on in their home. And over time, it evolved from professional organizing to business infrastructure. Because one thing I realized, you can go in, sure, and and tidy up a person's office, make it look more aesthetically pleasing. But then a week or two later, it's a mess and it's chaotic all over again. Well, what was the missing link? The missing link was the process. And the system, that's what they needed so that because you will have moments of chaos. I mean, it's, it's just inevitable. But when you have a process, you have something that you can revert back to once things do get a little bit chaotic and out of order. So that's, you know, a very high level way of, of, of letting the audience know how I was able to take that career in engineering and leverage that into this business that I have now. And and we've been around for 16 years, which is hard to believe, but it didn't start off as business infrastructure. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think it's such an interesting topic because you always hear as an entrepreneur, everyone says, oh, you have to embrace the chaos and Mm -hmm. it's a little messy, right? Like starting a business and scaling it every, you never have the money, the resources, the people that you need at the moment you need it. And so you kind of have to get busy in order to get to the next level and the chaos kind of creates opportunity. But I think that people forget that you have to have a way to attack the chaos and and turn a, a process approach into the solution. So my question for you is when you're working with businesses and now you've been doing it for over 15 years, where do you see the biggest issue in these businesses where do they need the process the most? Is it in one particular area or have you have you noticed that over the years? It's it's across the board when it comes to processes in particular, but I will say this. One thing they all have in common regardless of industry, regardless of sector is that they need to hire more people. Mm. So as you mentioned, John, it's, you know, when you're starting up, it's, it's quote unquote scrappy. You're hustling. You're doing whatever you can to, to get attention from potential buyers, potential customers and clients. Well, what happens when all of that hard work that you've put into branding and promoting and marketing your company, it actually starts to pay off? Now you have a different type of problem. Now you have an issue where you're trying to keep up with the demand for your products and services. That almost always means having to add more people to your team. But what happens is when you go out seeking these additional people, if you don't have those processes, some of those key critical processes documented, You can hire people all day long, every day. But if you don't have things documented, that turnover will become sky high. People aren't going to stick around if they don't know what to do, how to do it, and then they get blamed when things go wrong. 
So they kind of go hand in hand. But I would I would say one one factor that they all always have in common is having to add or expand their team. And then yeah. the processes and, and having having the right technologies and other tools and equipment in place is also very key. It's, you know, business infrastructure is a system for linking those three main elements, people, processes, tools, technologies. So when there's a change in one of those three areas, John, you always have to look at the impact that it has on the other two. So they are inextricably linked And what happens is, and we see this all the time in very large organizations, if you don't link them, then you have silos. Now you really have issues. And you and I were talking right before, uh, you know, we started the recording about, (laughs) I was sharing with you a company of, you know, an example of a company that I'm dealing with right now that that has some serious issues in terms of silos. Yeah. Yeah. And and so I think... For a lot of people, it's kind of like a chicken and egg thing, right? Mm-hmm. Where, what do you do first? Do you go after big opportunities? And then once you get them, like you said, hey, when everything works, you get everything you dreamed of, all the opportunity in the world. And now you need people, but the process needs to be built and needs to be mm-hmm. implemented before they come in. And so I would imagine also nowadays, it seems really hard to hire the right people. So. Yeah. How much of it is finding the right people that fit your culture who are competent and and have the right passion level versus also processes, even finding the right people, one of those processes that you need right out of the gate too? Absolutely. So that would fall under HR-related processes. You're recruiting, interviewing, onboarding, and even termination processes. What do those look like? And And I think it's worth pointing out John, that your processes should grow and evolve with your company. So as your company grows, so should your processes. Or as your company evolves, those processes should naturally evolve as well. So I don't want anyone who's listening right now to think that they have to go all out and get super complicated with documenting processes. It could be something as simple as you taking your smartphone, pressing record, and just recording yourself or dictating how to actually do something. And then maybe using some type of transcription service to convert that audio file into actual text. And there you have the the makings or the beginnings of a process. And you just keep improving it over time. It doesn't have to be perfect. It never will be perfect. But the important thing is to make sure that you have it documented well enough to where if, if you handed that process to someone else, that other person should within reason, be able to follow it and produce roughly the same result as if you perform that process. Getting back to, you know, the difficulty in finding or hiring the right people, you're absolutely right. It's, we are now faced with the challenge of people ghosting, uh, people just abruptly not showing up for work, people not showing up for interviews. It is definitely a challenge. What I recommend, and this is part of that Kasinu framework that you mentioned earlier, one of the very first things that we do as part of that framework, John, is we go through this very detailed and intense brainstorming exercise to figure out all of the different activities that have to be performed in your company, no matter how mundane or how complex. And by determining what all of those activities are, another exercise that we do together is to figure out in a perfect world, 
If you had access to all of the resources you needed, who ideally should perform each of these different activities? That literally serves as the basis or the foundation for what goes into a job description. Far too often, the wrong people are hired because there either isn't a job description or the job description is woefully insufficient. It doesn't contain all of the information. So if you hire someone, and I can share this from personal experience. Years ago, I remembered I was I was looking, I was in the market for a virtual assistant. This was back in, oh gosh, this was about 2008, 2009. And I interviewed this lady. She was she was fantastic. She was great. And she told me about all of these different systems that she knew how to use. I could tell I was going to learn a lot from her, which is also really important for me. But it wasn't until the very end of our conversation, and I was ready to sign on the dotted line. And I mentioned making, I mentioned something about a phone call. And she said, oh, you would want me to actually call people? and talk to them. And I said, yes, because I don't want to do it. (laughs) I'm trying to delegate it to her. And she was like, yeah, that's, I, I don't like doing that. Yeah. So she had all of these other great qualities and, and, and skills, but that was one thing that was just non-negotiable for me. Yeah, yeah, and and so you brought up delegating, and I've I did mm-hmm. a, a workshop years ago, an entrepreneurial workshop, and the first thing they do with you is talk about delegation because if you can't learn how to delegate, and like you said, hire the right people to delegate those tasks to, there's no way you're going to be able to scale, and so. I want to talk a little bit about that and how it works with the Kasanu framework, because you just mm-hmm. mentioned that too. Tell our audience, one, how does the Kasanu framework really manage all of this? And what are some of those levels? Like, how do you delegate using a framework like that? Mm-hmm. How do you decide which which of those activities go to the right people when they're when you can pass them off to someone else? How, does, how do you help people do that? Great question. And I'm so glad you asked that. Um, and and please stop me if I get too much into the weeds <laughs> as I as I start to describe it. But I think it's best to just describe what the the exercise actually looks like. So we have this very intense brainstorming session, and I'm asking the the client that I'm working with, or the business owner, the entrepreneur, everything. And I'm when I say everything, I mean everything from checking voicemails to actually packaging up a product and making sure it's delivered to the customer on time. So we look at it. The brainstorming session looks at every single aspect of a business. So the accounting and financial aspects, the people aspect, that that human resource perspective, facilities management, you know, where are you physically located? Are you a home-based business? Do, Do most of your team work remotely or are you in an actual physical location? We also look at the technology components. We look at your day-to-day operations, what's going on behind the proverbial curtain. We also take a look at legal and compliance and risk management related issues, as well as sales and marketing, management and business development. So that pretty much covers the gamut when it comes to areas to analyze activities within a particular organization. So as I'm asking them all of these different questions about what needs to be done, and and keep in mind, John, we're not only identifying activities that are currently performed, 
but it also helps them figure out things, activities that they need to perform that are just being missed right now. They're just falling through the cracks. Right. There's no visibility into it. So once we have this, so imagine you have these large post-it notes and it, it becomes it becomes the new wallpaper in whatever room we're doing this brainstorming exercise in. And by the time we meet again, every single one of those activities is transferred to an index card. So it's it's very possible for you to have anywhere from two to 400 index cards. We then take a very large table. We start spreading all of those index cards out across the table. Remember, each index card represents a different activity. And that's when we start to look at every single one of those activities to try to figure out who ideally should be doing this work, not who's who's performing the work currently, who ideally should be performing this work. Do you need a bookkeeper? Do you need an office manager? Do you need a virtual assistant? You know, that those are the kinds of conversations that we start having. Do you need to have a business attorney that you can start working with? Do you have a CPA that you can consult whenever there are things that that bookkeeper might come across that that person either isn't qualified to, to address or just doesn't know how to address? Those are the types of conversations that we have. And I've been around long enough to know how to really probe and get them thinking. Yeah. And, yeah. and then, you, you, oh, I'm sorry. So I was going to say, while you're talking about that with people, mm-hmm. how often is it a problem? Because I did this process early on in our business, it was, and, and exactly what you're talking about was the best business decision for me and my company because it was the way we were able to scale. But one of the problems I had, and as you're talking about the thinking, dealing with the entrepreneur, was I wasn't ready to delegate everything. I wasn't ready mm-hmm. to let it go. Mm-hmm. How much of it is you consulting with that business owner and saying, hey, you've got to emotionally be able mm-hmm. to let go of some of this? Is that part of it? That absolutely is part of it. And it it it's so it's such a natural thing because it's something that that entrepreneur, that founder, you, as you mentioned yourself, you created this. You took an idea and you formulated it into this business. It's not easy to let that go. It's not easy at all. And so you have to draw that proverbial line in the sand. Are you going to remain a technician or will you become a true entrepreneur? That's why I love the book, The E-Myth. It's such a classic by Michael Gerber because that's what he talks about. If you if you are serious about scaling and growing and taking your company to the next level, what got you to a certain point in business won't get you to the next level. You have to start letting certain things go. And I'll tell you a, a really powerful part of this exercise, John, in figuring out what not only what to delegate, but in what order and what, you know, and, and how you should delegate. It always helps if you figure out the hourly value of your time. Oh, yeah. And then if you start looking at, like, again, these really mundane, repetitive tasks, such as, you know, uh, going into a CRM and, and filling out information or logging phone calls or things that could very easily be delegated to other people. Like, is it really worth if your hourly, if it turns out the hourly value of your time is, let's say, $450 an hour, and you're, you're finding that you're spending at least two hours a day trying to book appointments with certain clients when that's something that if you hired an office manager or a sales rep or someone, if you delegated that to someone else, that, that alone frees up 
$900 of your time that you could be spending doing, working on activities that generate revenue for your business. Yeah. Yeah. And I will tell you, I did that exercise and it like hits you in the head like a brick. Mm-hmm. You know, I would never spend that amount of money yep. for someone to do that. And and it's so true because my thing was totally guilty uh, of this. I would proofread every proposal that went out and I would spend hours mm. editing the grammar and the way they said something. And then at the end of the day, as soon as I let it go and just let them go out, the, no one cared. I, I think most people just skip to the the budget page anyway. Right. Never, they never even read any of it. We still got the deal. And so I was like, oh, that really hurts because I thought what I was great at was writing proposals. Then I realized, oh, I guess anyone could do it. So it's really, it's it's hard, but you're exactly right. And I looked at it and go, how my profit margin on this deal just went down so much because mm-hmm. I spent two hours editing a few paragraphs for it. And And so my question for you too is, when you're working with businesses, what size business do you normally need to get involved? Do you try to get in earlier stage before they've scaled? Because some of these things must get harder to change as the business gets bigger and more mature. Yes. And that is that is such a great observation and a great question. I like to get in when they're still at that micro enterprise level. So it's, it's still, quote unquote, scrappy. <laughs> there yeah. is no structure. These, these foundational things that you and I have been talking about, they just don't exist. That's the perfect time to get in when they're right at that cusp of, okay, this can either continue to go really well for us, or if we don't address it, it can get really bad and we can implode. That's the point where I like to come in to help establish that basic foundation that will give them the ability to scale not just sustainably, but profitably as well, and to be able to repeat that over and over. And and I, I love the fact that you brought up the point that once companies get to a certain level, it, it is a lot more difficult to change things. And I tell people often, I like to come in at this particular point in your business's life cycle rather than further downstream. Because you're right, further downstream, you have a lot more people involved. That means more layers of management. That means more bureaucracy. That means it just Mm -hmm. takes longer for things to get done. I do still work with larger companies, but my passion is really with the smaller companies, the micro enterprises, who, again, they have a problem where they, they're growing so fast, things are chaotic, they need to get this structure in place. They need this business infrastructure to tie everything together so that they can continue growing. And then when they're, they're ready to scale to the next level again, then they can go and hire the McKinsey's and the KPMG's of the world. Right. <laughs> you got to do it in stages, I exactly. think. Exactly. Right? It absolutely has to be done in stages. And so for our listeners, and we have a lot of listeners who are business owners themselves, entrepreneurs who are always trying to figure out how do I scale? How do I get to the next level? I know mm-hmm. you've got a great podcast show and a book. Tell us first, um, tell us about the book and and where people can find it. Sure. So the book is called Behind the Facade. The subtitle is How to Structure Company Operations for sustainable success. It is truly a how-to book, John. So it's not something that you're going to read in like a week and be done with it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I always tell people, pace yourself. I advise 
reading through the table of contents. So if you go to Amazon, it's available anywhere online where books are sold, but most people just naturally and instinctively go to Amazon. When you go to Amazon, you know, there is the option to be able to preview the book. Take a look through the table of contents and it gives you an idea of the subject that's covered within each chapter. And the book is written so that you don't have to read it sequentially. You can actually kind of cherry pick which chapters you'd like to read because they resonate with your particular, a particular challenge that you're facing right now in your company. But the other thing I think is worth pointing out is that it's not, even though it's a how-to book, it's not purely academic in that sense. It's actually written in the form of stories, stories about different entrepreneurs who are faced with this fast growth challenge and they hire a consultant who actually takes them through how to not only navigate that particular challenge, but make sure that it doesn't happen again. And if it does, they at least have a plan in place. They have this business infrastructure that they can always revert back to. So that's the book. And the appendix, the very first appendix has, I think it's two pages, appendix A, and it literally just says, this is the Kasenu framework. This is how it works. So um, if you want to know exactly how to do this, go and get that book because it, no kidding, it, I don't leave anything out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I love that too. Just in, in the way you explained it too, using the table of contents as that, that blueprint, if you will, and, mm -hmm. and kind of getting your mindset in the right place for it. So I love the idea of the book and also podcasts. I, I know you've got a, a very popular yes. podcast show. Tell us about that. Yes. Thank you so much for the opportunity to talk about my show. So my show is called <laughs> Nothing Fancy Here. It's Business Infrastructure. And, and the subtitle for that is Curing Back Office Blues. And what I love is that I have the opportunity to interview other entrepreneurs, also executives at other larger companies, as well as just subject matter experts. And they tell you specifically how they scaled or how they navigated a particular challenge, but it's all from an operations perspective. So right now we're about to prepare for an upcoming season and it's going to be all about game-changing technology. So every guest that's coming on is telling you exactly how they leverage a particular technology that has dramatically improved the way their company operates on the back end. Oh, I love that. I love that because I think, one, I, the storytelling aspect is so great, but having a season on technology and how that different business operations technology can help your business and hearing how other people have done it. Mm -hmm. Great season. So that's the that's the upcoming season now? Yes. And that will, so that actually starts October 3rd, whatever the first Sunday in October is. I believe it's October 3rd. Very cool. October 3rd, 2021, season 14, game-changing technology. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I'll, <laughs> I'll be listening because I'm a tech geek, so I love to learn oh, about this. Oh, awesome. I, my, my team will not be happy because I'm the one who signs up for every trial of a new technology. <laughs> And it makes them figure it out. <laughs> so, well, but you got you got me interested. And um, and for our listeners who want to know about everything you've got going on, and to find out about the book, the podcast, everything, should they go to your website? Yes. Yeah, so I I think the best place to go is my personal website, John, and that's Alicia Butler Pierre dot com. So A L I C I A. 
B-U-T-L-E-R-P-I-E-R-R-E.com. And when you get there, it's like a hub for all of the stuff that I have going on. So you can get to the book from there. You can learn more about the podcast. You can also get linked directly to my consulting company, which is Equilibria. And there's also links to all of my social media profiles. So LinkedIn and Twitter is where I'm most active, but I do also have a presence on Instagram and even Facebook. I don't <laughs> like Facebook. <laughs> so you still got to do it for a little while. I know, <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> so very cool. So everyone, you can find out everything at AliciaButlerPierre.com. And my last question for you, because we didn't, we said the word over and over again, but nobody knows the meaning. Kasanu. Oh, yes, mean? yes. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to explain that, John. So I am a an avid student and reader of all things ancient civilization. And uh, Egypt is is definitely, you know, uh, one of the, the ancient Egypt is definitely one of the civilizations that I study. So as I was coming up with a name for the framework that I've created for business infrastructure, I reached out to an Egyptologist and I, I asked if he could give me an ancient Egyptian word for clone. Because in essence, that's what that's what you're doing when you're talking about business infrastructure and you're growing really quickly. You need to be able to clone your, yourself, other people, and the business itself over and over. And that's when he said sinu, S-E-N-N-U. It's a word that means, ancient Egyptian word that is akin to twin, clone, or similitude. Now, ka, I already knew the word ka, which means, which is K-A, which is spirit or essence. So the objective or the concept behind ka sinu is that you are, in essence, recreating or reproducing the spirit of what makes your company so great in the first place. Oh, I love it. That's so great. And and it's so memorable now that now that we all know it. It makes perfect <laughs> sense, right? That is what we're all trying to do. So, well, Alicia, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. You've shared so much great knowledge with our audience. So, thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much, John. I really appreciate it. And it's been fun to have you. And to all of our listeners, thank you for being here each week. And as you know, we have a new episode that comes out each week. So wherever you're listening, be sure to subscribe, leave us comments. We'd love to hear from you guys. And until our next episode, happy learning. Hey, listeners, we really value our audience, and we are so thankful you're here listening to The Syntax Show. So please, wherever you are, leave us comments, like us, and rate us. That helps new people find the show wherever they are. Thanks for tuning in to The Syntax Show with John Toda.